wrestling fans of all ages, shapes, sizes, genders, and everything in between. It is time to go to war and be the cure for the Common Wrestling Podcast. Welcome to the revolution. Buzz, buzz, guys. My name is Kate Murphy. What's going on, everybody? This is Will Tarashek, the founder of the Kings of the Rings podcast. What's going on, guys? It is I, the one and only Quiet Riot himself, Zach, your host of the Young Lions Perspective. What's up, guys? This is the Monday Night Delight. Greetings, one and all. This is your Prime Minister speaking, your favorite Canadian Mr. Fret. Hey, what's up, you guys? This is Nate the and Great from the Game Changer Podcast. If you're looking for a network that keeps wrestling real, then you've come to the right place because you're listening to you are listening. To you are listening to you are listening. Then you are listening. Get ready for a war because you're listening to what is going on, everybody. This is King Ricky Rose, your general manager, and you are listening to Wrestle Addict Radio. Now enjoy the show. Are you ready? episode of podcast and as always I greatly truly appreciate it yes ladies and gentlemen this is the 250th episode of the YLP podcast we are already at 250 episodes halfway into that 300 the smart episode I'm it for sure um, yeah I mean 250 episodes and all of you guys from those who are getting to those who are trying to be successful, the family. Thank you so much for your patrons. Thank you so much for rocking with me in these past months. Yeah, technically nine, technically eight months. I have been a part of the Wrestle Light of Radio family, and it's insane to me that now you guys not only have been here with me for my 200th episode. You've now been here with me for my 250 episode of podcast. And of course, y'all know, y'all will be rocking with me for episode 300. Who knows what I'm doing for episode 300? Who knows? I may have something in the works, but right now, we need, to get to, we need to get down to brass tacks and get down to business, as y'all know. It is Monday. And of course, it is a post paper Monday, and that is a brand spring. So up, the good, the bad, and the ugly was AEW all out this past Saturday night. I got more minutes right here. Nine points to actually get uh, for this particular pay-per-view. Um, surprisingly, uh, I got to talk about the main tag match. Uh, 
I mean, there was really not much to think about, honest, honestly. That match kind of was just like a, uh, I guess one of those pull-off matches that we Now, I will discuss it at some point. I guess I can make a point on it. We'll get to that point when we get there. But yeah, um, all out. Woo. A very, very interesting show um, from Saturday. A very, very interesting old show from Saturday night. A lot of, a lot of downs, a good amount of ups, and a lot of uh, good moments from this past Saturday's show. But there were a lot of things that happened. We were just uh, cringing, uh, hoping everything was okay, praying, all that good stuff. Seriously. This is one of those things, this is one of those shows where a lot of people could probably say this was not their best pay-per-view. Uh, I know there's a few particular guys that have been their first since their inception last year. Since their full-on inception since they've been doing this other show. They've been as far as 2015, they had their first pay-per-view. And I would say this is definitely definitely up there, definitely up there, and that easily changed the final grade of today's episode, y'all know how we get down here, we talk about all the major focal points of the show, well, I will be giving you my top three matches of the night, and, of course, my worst match of the evening, which will be pretty freaking obvious, uh, come the end of this episode, and, of course, y'all know I'll be handing out my awards for the all-out MVP, and the biggest and most important focal point of all the final grade that Mr. YLP himself, that is moi, will be handing this pay-per-view. But before we get into all the festivities, of course, y'all know I've got to pay bills over here. And I want to talk about real quick, teespring.com forward slash stores forward slash young dash lines. That's perspective. We have revamped. Well, WrestleLadic Radio itself has revamped the entire their entire all entire stores. Including the uh, original WrestleMania Radio, so the Pride Collection, the HBIC Collection, King Ricky Rose, the WrestleMania, the Game Changer, the Delight Show, the Delight Collection, and as well as the YLP Collection. Very, very, a lot easier to actually uh, go through. I'm actually looking at it right now, as I always do. Uh, for this, I'm going on. I'm actually literally going on right now as I record. Looking at it right now, you get you can see all the products, apparel, homeware, accessories. Um, all the all you know from men, women, the young cubs, uh, athletic, you know for, for the athletic ones out there trying to live that ferocious lifestyle that I live. Homeware mugs, wall art, you got be, uh, you know towels and whatnot, face mask, and I'll be talking about that in just a second. Stickers, I got a diecast stickers, uh, tote bags, YLP socks. Very very easy to manage to look at, and it's very, very well broken down for. Across, across the entire board, and it looks fantastic. Um, I'm just going on it right now. You can look at the tank tops. I'm clicking on, you know, men's T-shirt, you know, unisex T-shirts, hoodies and sweaters. Really, really easy to manage and look around and all that good stuff. But we do have two new items, uh, one being the women's um, premium V-neck shirts because we know, we know, y'all, y'all like to steal our stuff. And, you know, we don't appreciate, especially, you know, I've come to like a few shirts that um, over time uh, that 
have been stolen, hoodies and all that stuff. So you can go on and uh, get your own V-neck, 100% soft cotton across the board. Feels very comfortable. Six different colors, you can get that going on today, as well as the YLP face mask. We do know that right now it's still in quarantine time. Uh, also, uh, with stores and whatnot still having to uh, have require face masks for you to enter the building, why not represent the YLP movement and actually do a good deed at the same time? Uh, it's $14.99 for the mask itself. You get, uh, you get the cloth face mask, the, uh, nose and mouth coverage, as well. Every sale... With every sale of the, uh, every YLP mask, a dollar will be donated to a nonprofit organization helping out children in need and uh, most and most importantly of hunger. Um, I have two ne- I have two nieces and a nephew, and I know their next meal is is going to be coming about. But some kids do not know where their next meal is coming from. So, especially us here at WrestleMania Radio, we do like to uh, help the causes we did back in June with the uh, Trevor Project uh, for Pride Month, and that Pride Collection still is up. On teespring.com, we have we have not only extended that, we have made it a permanent thing here on uh, at Russell Attic Radio Land. So, I mean, with everything that's going on with uh, quarantine and stuff, school, school's not opening and stuff. There are some kids out there that are not getting the proper nutrition that they need. So, at least you know, with the with some of the masks, this is across the board for all of our uh, stores. If you buy a face mask, a dollar will go to a nonprofit to help to feed children in need. Uh, who do not know where the next meal is coming from. We here at WrestleMania really like to put, uh, support good causes, and this is one of them. So, if you do get a YLP mask, which I definitely think you look good because it looks clean, you can match your outfits with it, you know, all that good stuff, and you're helping children in need to get fed. Again, teespring.com forward slash stores forward slash young dash lions dash perspective, especially now that we're getting into the fall. Get yourself a hoodie. Pull over, all that good stuff over there. Check it out. Get something for your family, get something for your friends, and just get something for yourself. Again, teespring.com forward slash stores forward slash young dash lines dash perspective. Now, let's get down to business. Let us get down to talking about All Out from this past Saturday night. The tooth and nail match between Big Swole and Britt Baker was originally slated to be on the buy in. Pre-show. It should have stayed where it was. That match was a very, very piss-poor way to open up All Out. I was not a fan of it whatsoever. Um, the way they went about it was just not my cup of tea, nor my nor my uh, shot of gin. It was unimpressive. Um, really, honestly, I mean, given the fact that we had Serpentico... And Joey Janela and then Private Party uh, versus um, three and four of the Dark Order. I, I was okay with it, but you know this. You know when you say that you're going to have a certain match on a pre-show, leave it where it is. And I'm being perfectly brutally honest with you guys. Leave it where it is. There is no need for having a match that, personally, in my mind, didn't deserve to be on the main card at all be a part of the main card. There was no need for it. I didn't like the call, and now we know why. This match was terrible. This match was definitely not a a proper opener. 
for this. This this was this is not the way you open the show, and it really really brought down the grade a lot for me. Even even as I'm recording now, I'm thinking of the grade in my head. Usually, I would have the grade already set up, already good to go. But as I do these, as I record, my grade becomes different. I may change up the grade. But seriously, if this this could have been honestly on AEW Dynamite, and I would have been perfectly fine with it. I would have been perf- this this would have been much better off being on Dynamite than being on the main card to open up the show. This match didn't do anything for me. I'm glad Big Swole won. That's cool. But overall, this was not how you open a show. This is your biggest show of your calendar year. Literally. All Out is their WrestleMania. Their biggest show. You need to start with a bang. Ladies and gentlemen, if you, with a show like this. You have to. You have to. There's no, there's no other way to do it. If you're going to give me your biggest show of the year, and you start the night off with that, my first thought is... They really didn't want to, they really, I guess they really didn't want to, um, you know, start off the show pro- as properly as they wanted to. You have a, now, mind you, the crowd in Florida, from what I had read, from what I had heard, um, a lot of people were complaining on Twitter that the crowd was not as hot as it could have been. Um, yes, we know it was just 10% capacity, but there were reports, of course, were coming out on Florida that, you know, yesterday's weather was hot as Satan's butthole. And the humidity was just absolutely insane. So, it wouldn't, you know, I've been to Florida uh, a couple times in my my existence on this earth. And I can honestly attest to the fact that Florida's hot as shit. I've lived in South Carolina for three years. It gets hot as fuck in the summer. Summer, going into the fall, still hot as hell. I think down uh, down in the south, you won't pretty much start feeling cold weather until maybe oct- late October, early November. You know what I'm saying? It is. It was. That's, that was the reports I was hearing that it was just absolutely hot. So that's why the crowd wasn't as into it as as much as we normally would see a crowd for um, AEW, and that doesn't surprise me one bit. Um, that's also another point that I want to get across that you know the crowd wasn't as hot. Because it was just way too damn high. <laughs> so, I mean, I can, att- I can easily attest to that. I've been in Florida, live in South Carolina. It is just unbearably hot. It is not stick. And yes, you will sweat your ass off. If you've never been to the, if you've never been to the South, any, for any length of time, in the summertime or in the, uh, or just, you know, in passing, yeah. Southerners know what I'm talking about. Southerners easily know exactly what I'm talking about when I say it was, the humidity was just not stick. It's absolutely nasty. So, I can understand that. But, going back to Big Swole and Britt Baker for, uh, just to end that, end on uh, this note, this honestly should have been left on the pre-show. It should have been left on the pre-show. There's no need for this to have been anywhere else but the pre-show, and they really, really proved that last night. Now, Saying that, the Young Bucks versus the Jurassic Express match should have been the match that opened all out. Every single time I see these two teams face each other, 
Their chemistry seems to get better and better. I said this on my Twitter feed um, on Sat on my Twitter on Saturday. Their their chemistry. I've seen them face each other a multitude of times, and it seems like every single time they face each other, their chemistry just gets that much better. It, it becomes a little smoother, and the opening sequence, you know, few minutes of the match, you can just tell that you know they were in sync with each other. They were they were in lockstep. With each other, the was the one spot where I think it was Matt Jackson and Luchasaurus were just trying to go to the corner. We're just trying to put each other in the corner to get positioning. That they, they their transitions, the transitions were just smoother every single time. It was just so smooth, like hmm, shoo, 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 shoo. you know, it, it's like a very choreographed martial arts fight you see in the movies. It was kind of like that, but it was fantastic. You know, you just you just can just tell these two teams were destined to face each other for as long as they're both in AEW. These two teams work very well together, and it definitely shows. Um, it shows very well. And I even wrote here, and I even said this on Twitter on Saturday, if they ever have a title feud against one another, their match against each other with the payoff could end up being an instant classic. The more and more you get familiar with a tag team, the more you work with a certain you know person in the ring or, uh, you know, the more you get, or just think of it like, like work, the more you get familiar with the job, the better you get at it, the better you get at your job, the better, the more you can do, the more people see that. Now, depending on where you work at, that's neither here nor there, but I think, I think you see where I'm going to go, go with that. And I'm going to leave it there. I'm going to leave it at that point. I digress. But the more I see these four men face each other in the ring, even with Marco Stunt being a little prick during the matchup and Matt Jackson super kicking him, him getting involved at some points during the match, that also added to the value of the match as well. Really, really, this should have, this should, easily should have been your opener for this match. That was the hot match. That was a fantastic way. I don't even count Swole and Britt Baker. I can pretty much just like excommunicate that from my existence and just have this be your opener. That was how you should have opened all out. And again, you should have left Swole and Baker in the dust in the pre-show and let just these four men go out. Same same match, same time, same amount of time, same everything. And you easily could have been, and I, honestly, the, I'll put it to you like this. The grade of this show easily could have been at least a grade or two higher had this been your own. That's, that's on everything. Yes, they, they always say it's not how you start, it's how you finish. And that is also a true quote. But there is a place you have to start. Thinking emoji. You know, thinking thinking GIF. You know, you know exactly which one I'm doing. Think, thinking GIF. Think about it. You gotta start somewhere. Had they st- had AEW all out started with this matchup, guarantee this my grade. At least two grades higher, without question, like that. That would mean that would easily be the difference. But this match was fantastic. This was a fantastic way to continue their feud. If this is a feud, I mean, every time I, I see this matchup, it just gets better. It's like fine. It's like wine. It's like fine wine, like whiskey. It gets better with age. The more you see it, and you gotta think they they've gotten better together. I'm gonna drive. I had to drive that point home. They've gotten better. It gets better. It's a beautiful thing. So, like I said, 
if they ever have a title feud against each other at some point during their careers in AEW, the payoff may be a straight-up, flat-out, instant classic. Given what we've been given so far between these two teams. I wouldn't doubt that one bit. And if, you, if this match has so much replay value, this, there's just so many good spots in the matchup. I mean, the, there was a couple, there was a botch too, um, with the, um, sup, the suplexes by Matt Jackson. Uh, at one point, he was trying to go to the outside um, with, the, with the suplex. That was a bit botched, but they did make up for it, kind of. Um, you know, with Jumbo Boy saving himself. Going to the outside and then Matt having to do the suplex again. Not a bad, not a bad way to cover it up, but it was a bit blatant uh, with that spot there. So you know, things they can still work on. There's a lot of room to you know for improvement between these two teams. But honestly, overall, this match should have opened up all out. I almost had it. I almost got it with the Casino Battle Royale. I almost. Had it. I picked Eddie Kingston to win. I picked Eddie Kingston to win big time. And I was almost there. It was un- not until Taz had to say, uh, when uh, Jake the Snake brought over the uh, snake, the serpent, uh, that Eddie Kingston had a fear of snakes. And at that point, I realized, uh, damn it. They're going to have Eddie Kingston. Eddie Kingston's going to lose. But in the end, Lance Archer has won the Casino Battle Royale. And now earns a future AEW World Championship match. And I said on Twitter on Saturday, this was a red fucking herring. Now, I was talking with a person on Twitter. They were saying, you know, he could be, a, you know, Lance Archer could be a tweener and all that stuff. And he could just go either way. And I said, yeah, I mean, I can understand where you're coming from, but in the, you know, in the end, everybody dies, as uh, Lance Archer always says. But that was my red herring, and that was kind of my uh-oh moment, to which, uh, which could, could have led to the main event. And I had a feel, I had that strange feeling, but I'll talk about that when we get there. But remember, Lance Archer is a heel after all. So the second I saw Archer win that, I'm thinking, oh man, they're not gonna they're not gonna do what I think they were. I thought they were gonna do for the main event, but we'll get to that. We'll we'll get to that when we get there. But Lance Archer, uh, in a sense, honestly, was the right call. I'm not mad at the call. I'm not mad at the, the decision at all. Uh, with Archer winning, Archer's a big deal. Archer is a big deal, and. I know at some point Archer and Cage are going to go out in the ring. It's just a matter. It's not a matter of if. It's a matter of when. But now that we know that what what the next World Championship matchup is going to be, I have a strange feeling that Cage and Starks are going to be messing that up for one Lance Archer at some point. You know, with Taz and Jake Snake bickering at each other, with Cage, you know, wanting, wanting a piece of Archer at some point. Uh, Ricky Starks being a part of Team Taz as well, having his issues with uh, Darby Allen. It wouldn't surprise me if Archer gets screwed over by Team Taz at some point. Do not be surprised if it's if it's if it's Archer and of course the AEW World Champion that at some point 
Cage is going to be the reason Archer does not get that AEW World Championship. I'm a, we're going to leave that out there right now. Let's just have facts be facts. And it's, and it's pretty much quite easy at this point that it's kind of inevitable. Cage and Archer have to meet up at some point. I'm for certain it will be for the FTW World Championship, which is not a recognized championship in AEW, but it is for the FTW World Championship. It will be. And uh, But let's get Cage to screw over Archer. And then we can get that match that we won. Um, one of, I, if I remember correctly, last year, I'm trying to think, Casino Battle Royale. To, I don't think I don't remember offhand who won it, but I know the title match happened sometime between middle to late September and early October. So right around that time, so they do it late September, early October. I can expect full gear to be Archer versus Cage. But man, I would have loved to see Eddie Kingston win that. Just to, just to give him that bigger push. Because that would that would have been a crazy matchup. If Kingston was involved in was in a world title hunt already. Oh man. I would I would love to see him. Now, in other news, Matt Sidell damn near broke his fucking neck going for that shooting star press. Matt Sandow pulled the Joker card and was the last man to come into the uh, Casino Battle Royale. It looked like he was going for the shooting star press on Will Hobbs. And to quote uh, Brock Lesnar, that's a big boy. And immediately went for it and just large oof special. That was that was the large oof special of the evening. That boy, oh, I mean, now I will say though, with the uh, with Tony Schiavone saving the spot there, saying you know there's a lot of, I think it was either Taz or um, you know saying it, but um, but I think they made the save saying you know. The, a lot of perspiration on the rope, on the uh, turnbuckle there. He must have seen it. And all this stuff. But the only thing I honestly thinking was. God damn! And then when they did the replay. God damn! And then when they replayed it again. God damn! You, you pretty much get the point. That was nasty. That was a nasty fall. I'm glad uh, Side Al's okay. Um, but oh my god, that was. Whew. <sighs> if you know, you know. In terms of now, speaking of uh, people that took one hell of a bump, I hope Matt Hardy is okay after taking that bump in his match against Sammy Guevara. A lot of people on, on, on social media and even uh, Matt's own wife, Hardy, was slamming Hardy on Twitter for this. Uh, we all know what the spot was. We ain't got to talk about but we got to talk about it because it's news. And let me see if I can find it on uh, thechairshot.com because they pretty much have all of that. 
Yep, they go into the scissor lift. Hardy lift, uh, rocks Sammy with a right hand, pushes Sammy up to the scissor lift, climbs aboard, stomps on the Sammy. Sammy enjoys to go uh, for the side effect. Spears Hardy down through the table, and um, then he, he he falls through the table, but. His body doesn't go through the table. His shoulders and head hit the concrete. And immediately, Aubrey Edwards throws up the X. We all know what that means. For those of you who don't know what that means, when he, when a referee throws up the X, it means it's an actual injury, or it could be a K-Pave injury um, to signify that the person taking the bump was incapacitated and is not able to continue. This was a horrific moment on the night. A very horrific moment on the evening. A lot of people were just like, is he okay? How are they allowing this to continue? Why is Doc Samson allowing this to continue? What the hell, Tony Khan? What is this? Why are you doing this? Why didn't doesn't this match just end? I mean, kudos. I mean, I, I will say kudos to Hardy for continuing, but he did not need to continue. That I mean, I've had whiplash before. I've hit my head on concrete. I've bat, I bought my head on metal beams. I bought my head on wooden shelves. I have taken hits. I have had that moment where I'm just kind of dazed, and I'm just like, "Oh, how you doing?" That would be the makes you feel alive kind of moment, but a bump like that from I don't know how many feet from the table they were, but I'd say about a good 10, 15 feet. Landing through the table, but not landing fully through the table properly, with back and all that stuff on landing on table and head not bashing on concrete. That is a grounds for a concussion. I have uh a news story that I pulled up before I started recording from sportskeeda.com. Rebby Hardy slams Matt Hardy on Twitter after AEW all out. Matt Hardy's outing. Oh, let me just make sure who wrote this so I can give credit. Uh, Apilash Minty. If I butchered your name, dude, I am so sorry. Matt Hardy's outing against Sammy Guevara at Saturday's all out event didn't go as planned. One point during the match, Hardy took a scary fall and landed on the floor. The doctor rushed to end the match, but Hardy decided to continue, which didn't sit well with fans one bit. It was later revealed that the doctor cleared Hardy of his own volition and wasn't pressurized by him into doing so. And if you go check out the, you can check out the tweets um, that Tony Khan said he didn't pressure him to actually stop the match, but he wanted to make sure that you know Matt Hardy was okay. Continuing on, though, Matt Hardy's wife, Rebby, was seething with anger after witnessing what transpired at the event and took the Twitter to make it clear that she wasn't happy with Matt for his decision to continue the match. Rebby dubbed Matt the number one idiot in this scenario while slamming a fan who told her to stop blaming everyone else for Matt's choice. Now, I don't know. I'm trying to see what that word is. Hey, I'm just going to go with that. Reading is fundamental, you, you dumbass. Uh, I don't know what the actual word is. Matt was the number one idiot in the scenario. I'll let you figure out who number two was. Also, 
fuck you. Um, she was replying to someone saying, uh, Matt, more Matt Hardy brand choice than anyone else's in the back. You should stop pointing fingers at every single person always. Let me see here. Now, the exchange, if I could find it on Twitter. Yeah, she was pissed. She was, oh, asshat. <laughs> really? Asshat? Mm. Shit. Because she said on Twitter, let me be absolutely fucking clear. There is nothing entertaining about a concussion. Shame on everyone in that goddamn building. Um, Because Matt texted her, love you. I got to hit the football field in just a minute to start our match. Hope you enjoy. She says, I love you. Don't be dumb. And she says, what the fuck? You practically cleared that table. What the fuck, Matt? What the goddamn fucking fuck? This on now. Here's the thing that really, really kind of fucked with me a little bit. And I'll read the article. The rest of the article, just a moment. Um, Had they not put the stipulation on where if Matt Hardy lost, that he would have quit AEW. This, the match would have been over. And it would have just given the victory to Sammy Guevara. And you could book it from there saying Sammy beat Matt. And that would have been perfectly fine. And it would have made all the sense in the world to end the matchup. It would have had, you know. And it would have been perfectly fine. But that stipulation really kind of fucked with us a little bit, which I guess in a sense kind of really put handcuffs on AEW to have Matt continue. Now, Matt decided to continue, knowing that a loss would basically oust him out of AEW. In situations like this, though, I am kind of really pissed off at the fact that they allowed this match to continue. I am really quite pissed because that is... It's professional wrestling. Now, again, I'm not a professional wrestler, nor do I plan on being one. But I respect those who do take that risk, and they know the risks that are involved. Like I said, the stipulation kind of fucked everything up. Badly. So... Really, it really fucks with my mind that they would have been, they really handcuffed themselves by allowing the stipulation to be. I don't think they expected this that moment to happen. But now looking back on it, that stipulation really hindered this match. Because Matt had to, and I'm putting this in air quotes, Matt had to continue to ensure that he doesn't leave AEW. But Rebby's not wrong for feeling how she feels about uh, with Matt. And I believe Tony Khan said on Twitter and even during the uh, media call that, yeah, it's a concussion. Certified, 100%. I mean, Matt Hardy's got a concussion now. And 
man. I hope he's okay. I hope he's going to be all right. I mean, he's got two kids to worry about, a wife. And uh, let me just finish up this article real quick. If it had been for Rebby, the match would have ended the moment Matt Hardy took the scary fall. Judging by her tweet bashing her husband, Rebby is still unaware that it was the doctor's decision to clear Hardy to continue the match moments after the fall. It would have been wise for Matt to let the contest end at that point itself instead of putting himself at risk. Tony Khan provided an update on the situation during the media scrum and made it known that Hardy is completely okay. And that is uh, perfectly correct. But if I remember correctly, um, they are pretty much... Um, it's a lot. It's a, it's a whole lot to take in with that. He did go to the hospital. Um, let me see if I can find the update. Tony Khan and Tony, Han and Tony Schiavone. And good on uh, Schiavone for uh, putting in that detail with... Um, Let me see. Matt is okay. He's going to be okay. It's going to fall in the match. Tony paused the match, sent the doctor in. Doctor passed and cleared him on protocol. Precautionary hospital test looks like he's okay. That's why doctor cleared him. Um, he said, uh, quote, yes, there was time to make a proper decision about Matt Hardy. Doctor did clear him. Matt did not pressure him. Doc Sampson would not be convinced by Matt to keep him in. Matt would not have been able to overrule the doctor per Tony Khan. Um, he passed up concussion protocol, went to hospital for additional scans and x-rays. This match it was not received very well. None whatsoever. Um, Matt Hardy got the win uh, after Guevara, you know, fell through the tables in a crazy spot. But still, um, this doesn't it, it, this don't sit well with me. This does not sit well with me. Not at all. That like, that's kind of like. I'll give you. I'll give you a story, and my mom knows this uh, story very well because she was there when it happened. I was four, and you know, when you're a kid, you think you're invincible. My dumbass thought it would be a grand idea to try to backflip off of a fence. Again, she knows this very well, and she tells me this quite often. I didn't land very well. Um, to the point where I could have damn near broke my neck. Um, to this day, I still get hell for that. To this day, I'm 32. Do the math. That wasn't even on Twitter. Okay? That was just regular shit. But yeah, I still, I still catch a lot of heat for that. Now, I'm fine. I'm perfectly fine. I'm walking, I'm talking, I'm doing things, I'm breathing. Going to the gym now, feeling good. But yeah, yeah, I could have really ended my ended my life before it really truly began. Uh, before and Mr. YLP may not be Mr. YLP now. So yeah, uh, so I'm not surprised. Rebby gave Matt shit for falling 15 feet from a scissor lift landing through a table in his shoulders and head, bashing on concrete. That's called whiplash. That's called match should have ended right then and there. But it is 
what it is at this point. We know he has clear, uh, clear concussion protocol. And um, we do hope he's okay. I know he'll be out for a significant amount of time before all is said and done. But this, that's going to conclude part one of the good, the bad, and the ugly that was AEW All Out. When we come back, I'll give you my remaining points of AEW All Out. Give you my top three matches of the night. Hand out awards as well for worst match of the night. My All Out MVP. And most importantly, the final grade for All Out from Saturday night for episode 250 of the YLP Podcast. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, you are listening to the Young Lions Perspective on Wrestle Addict Radio. We are back with episode 250 of the YLP podcast, semi-quincentennial special. I guess that is an actual word. I looked it up uh, during the break. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we're here talking about the good, the bad, and the ugly. That was AEW All Out. But before we get back into the swing of things, we want to let y'all know about Patreon. Uh, Patreon.com forward slash Russell Addict Radio, 17 cents a day. May not get you much in this world, not even as much as a piece of Joe Bubbergum, which is actually 25 cents. But for 17 cents a day, you can get a lot of exclusivity when you, if you decide to join our Patreon. Over on Patreon.com forward slash Russell Addict Radio. You get to be a part of an exclusive group chat. You get to talk to other patrons, such as Kavita, my man Quarantine G. Jermaine, Slack, all the other patrons that we have there. We thank you so much for being patrons for the squadron, as well as being able to talk with all the members of Wrestle Attic Radio, including myself, Mother, from time to time. You get to listen to exclusive shows you won't be able to listen to anywhere else on Wrestle Attic Radio programming. Shows such as Love and War, Francis Bay 5, The 20 Bill Salute, and my Patreon exclusive podcast, The Secret Files Podcast. I just recently an episode uh, that dropped last month, and I will be doing one this month. Once I figure out when I be able to have time to do so, I'll be able to have uh, that episode coming out. It will be coming out sometime in the month of September, um, and I'll keep you guys informed of that very, very soon. Once I get everything sorted and kind of get an idea of what I want to talk about. But I think the most important thing you'll be able to get from uh, being a part of our Patreon family is that once you become a patron, you will be able to have access to an exclusive code. I know what it is, but I can't tell you because you're not part of the Patreon family. But that will that particular code will get you 15% off every single time you check out and get merchandise from any of our Wrestle Addict Radio stores, including mine. Teespring.com uh, slash store slash uh, Young Dash Lines. That's perspective. Get you here today. Get you, get you some uh, swanky-ass merch for the uh, summer and fall but um again 15% off every single time you check out every single time you check out 
every single time you check out over on our Patreon, uh, or our the RT Spring stores. Now, for 17 cents a day, equating to five dollars a month, that, my friends, is damn good exclusivity and a damn good bargain, if I say so myself. So, if you're considering becoming a patron, head over to Teespring. Uh, Patreon.com forward slash Radio and consider being a patron today. And as I always say, always, always accepted, never expected, but we do, we'll do appreciate if you join the squadron today. I know it's a month. Better, I will say this the value you get with a Patreon membership is much better than the equivalent of a venti coffee from Starbucks or any of those specialty drinks. You know, I have a fan of the peach green tea lemonade myself that I do good from time to time. But let's get back into the swing of things and let's talk about the remaining points from All Out. I'm just going to get this one out of the way because this is a quick one. Twitch.tv slash the Kip Sabian. Twitch.tv slash the Kip Sabian. Twitch.tv slash the Kip Sabian. Become a member of the Sabian Super Snap Dad Squad today. If you know, you know. If you get the joke, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Ha 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 ha. Ha 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 ha. Ha 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 ha. Hilarious. Great jab, by the way. And also, congratulations on uh, Penelope Ford and Kip Sabian on their engagement. I already knew. See, see, this thing was kind of late to the party and shit. Right, we already found this out on the IG, uh, on the Instagrams. So we already knew that from jump. So we, we've been known that shit. But they, we will find out who the best man is uh, come this Wednesday. And from what Tony Khan actually said, it is someone from outside of AEW's roster. Someone new coming into the fold, possibly becoming a new member of the Super Bad Squad uh, to take, uh, take the place of Jimmy Havoc while he was recovering uh, from his rehab. And he didn't say no. He said yes, yes, yes. So, congratulations to the, on their engagement. And again, twitch.tv slash the Kipsy. <laughs> Hikaru Shida and Thunder Rosa had one hell of a women's title match. But I asked myself this. Was it better than Nyla Rose versus Rhea? Now, in my honest opinion, before we had... Um, Sheeta and Rosa, Nyla Rose versus Rhea was undoubtedly the best women's match that AEW had going, period. This was their best match. Crowd was hot. The match was hot. It was a, good, it was a damn good match between Rhea and Rose for the championship. And I stated right then and there on my Twitter that this was the undoubtedly the best women's match AEW has produced up to that point. So to answer the question... Was it better than that? Yes. There are plenty of reasons why. It was technically a champion versus champion match with the AEW Women's World Championship on the line. Um, Thunder Rosa being an outsider coming to AEW Challenger for the championship um, not only got her a big time amount of exposure for herself, but also got a good amount of exposure for the NWA to see what the best of NWA's women's division has to offer. And I did say on 
Friday's episode of the podcast that I hope this begins a relationship between AEW and NWA right now as they sort out the women's division over in AEW. Hopefully they get it sorted out. I really would like to see them get sorted out because I think it would make sense to have it sorted out. But I, again, I stated I wouldn't mind seeing an Allison K or a Marty Bell come over and have and put, get some work in with um, you know a Nyla, a Britt Baker, a Big Swole. Um, I was seeing the Twitter feed of Phoenix AEW at Phoenix AEW. By the way, great follow. She was actually on the call for uh, the media call for the post uh, all out press conference. And she actually asked, you know, and she was talking to her character, Sheeta, and she, was, she just said that, you know, she wants to get, she wants to face Rose in a rematch for the title at some point and wants to face Big Swole. So at least possibly her next two title matches could be lined up in such a fashion. And this was a good little stopgap for them to have while they get their division sorted out. Because in my mind, Sheeta versus Rose is still is still inevitable. They have to get that rematch back. So that's definitely going to be a thing for sure. Big Swole definitely in the title picture would be interesting, especially after her victory over Britt Baker. Um, I would like to see a Swole Sheeta title feud at some point. That would be uh, that would be an interesting one. But your money match at this point in the AEW Women's Division is Rose versus Sheeta 2. That, we, we need to get that one back. We need to get that title match back for sure. Got to run that one back. But I think with Thunder Rosa and Sheeta, they had a grueling battle. A very good back and forth battle. At one point, Rosa was dominant for 3-4 minutes. Sheeta got back into the fold. You know, handled business. And there was a lot of good back and forth between both ladies. That's always a good thing in my book. And as an advocate, of course, for the women's division across the entire board, that's the kind of match I want to see, period. I always want to see that kind of match. I always want to see that knock down, drag out, we're going to fight. In the end, Shida-san retained. Now, I had Thunder Rosa taking the championship. On Saturday, I really did. I thought that it got to a point where she just rain kind of went stale. To me, at least. That's just me uh, personally. But I got to give Sheeta credit. She held it, hung in there, dealt with the onslaught. And um, was able to eke out a victory over Rosa. This was a damn good match. It's, de- it's definitely game. It, it was definitely a win on both sides. It was a plus on both sides. You get Rosa's stock up, and now you got Sheeta's stock back up. It's just going to be a matter of can we got to get that division back up? We got to start building that division. And if AEW and NWA kind of have a little bit of a working relationship and get an Allison K or a Marty Bell coming over, hey, I'm all for it. I'd be all for it. It all depends on what's going to happen with NWA 
and what they're what's going to happen with them going forward. But I would like to see a nice little working relationship with the division to kind of help that out going forward. Something, something to keep an eye on. But honestly, yes, I would say as of right now, we got the best women's match in AEW's history so far on Saturday night between Sheeta and Thunder Rosa. And kudos to Thunder Rosa for putting on the kind that kind of match. Again, there were there were there were bit of missteps um, throughout the match. You know, there were a couple of st- spots, but they recovered very well, and that's always a good thing. Again, with two people that we have never faced off against each other before, it's going to happen that way. But for the most part, this was a damn good women's title match. Something we can be proud to say that is what we need. We need more of that. And if we can get more of that. I'm all for it. Kenny Omega and Hangman Page versus FTR is a certified match of the year candidate without question. The real story, though, that will follow is what happened after the match had ended. Now, we do know it was inevitable that Page and Omega we're going to drop the championships at some point. We know this. But this was, I, I, I had said it on Friday. And I, I, I said it on Friday. And shout out to uh, my dude Malik for put, actually convincing me um, with Kenny Omega. Because I thought Hangman was going to be the one to maybe turn on Kenny. But I, I am an open-minded person. And I can, if I could see a solid argument, it could definitely change my mind. And it looks as if Kenny Omega is going to be the one to fully turn on Hangman. And he may have already done it. Saturday night. Now, after two mind breakers from FTR, FTR becomes the World Tag Team Champions, and now we can start the road to FTR versus Young Bucks at full gear, which will be going down Saturday, November 7th, on BR Live pay-per-view. Y'all know I will be paying for that, because it's worth it. Every single time it's worth it. This match was just so damn good. This what this is what tag team wrestling is all about to me. Y'all know I am a, a a fan and an advocate of tag team wrestling, and I've stated multiple times that AEW has the best tag division in the game right now. No questions asked. One hundred percent, they've got it. Easy peasy. But With what we got out of this matchup, which was again match of the year candidate, already throwing my already throwing that in the ring right now. I'm not even touching. This is not even touching honorable mention of the year at all. This is certified match of the year candidate. Easy, we got it. Um, Kenny Omega's reaction after they FTR won the championship. They mockingly give Hangman a beer, saying, you know, thanks for taking the fall for us. Omega lets them, you know, make sure they leave. He was about to hit him with the timekeeper's table. 
Hangman flatters back up. Omega strips this timekeeper's table out the tablecloth, and he's holding on to it. And he looks like he was going to hit Hangman with it. But in just in frustration of the title match itself, losing the championships, he throws it away. Hangman gets up, tries to lean on Kenny, and Kenny just lets him fall. Kicks the beer cans out of the ring and just leaves a page behind. He goes to the he walks immediately to the back, just starts walking out. Passes by the Bucks and tell him he's done with Hangman. He's done. I'm done with him. Screw him. You know, the elite leave together. Bucks keep telling him just cool off. Hey, relax, cool off. You know, where are you going? They can talk, we can talk about this. Omega just want, you know, he says, I'm gonna go. This is, a, this is a clean break to back to how things were. Emphasis on clean break. He says, you coming with me? There's no going back. You win or out. Think about it. He gets in the car, demands his driver get out, and that was the end of that. He said he wants a clean break to back to how things were. And asked them, are you coming with me? Now, I ain't no conspiracy theorist. I ain't no whatever. But if we're getting the cleaner back, if we're getting heel Kenny Omega, Look the fuck out. If y'all remember Kiel Omega in New Japan when he was when he was doing those matches against Okada, when he first came into the Bullet Club, shit, y'all ain't ready. Y'all ain't ready for that. If y'all if y'all haven't been following Omega since like New Japan, y'all ain't ready. Y'all ain't ready for that. I don't think AEW's ready for that. If that's the, if that's the route they want to go down. Omega's done with Paige. Done. Fuck him. Pretty much. Fuck him. Every last bit of him. Fuck him. That's what he's basically saying about Hangman. I'm done with him. Who cares? He's out of the elite. I don't care. No reason for me to bother with him. We're done. Lost a tag gold. Done. And then he has the Bucks have to decide. Are you in? Or are you out? Are you with me? Or not? Cleaner? The cleaner Kenny Omega? Going from the one wing, you're going from the, you know, the one winged angel, battle cry, all that, to cleaner. I'll put it to you this way. If we get the Bucks and Kenny heel, oh dear God. Not saying that on the Bucks side of things that they're going to be healed, but if we get all three of them being healed at some point, good God. That would absolutely be insane. 
and I'll talk about that a little bit more once we get to Moxley and MJF. But man, that was that was a very shocking moment for us. And uh, with that, um, I know Fretz said you know it was going cleaner out, and I can't I can't dispute that right now. At this very moment, I couldn't dispute it. We'll see how it goes, but uh, keep that in mind. Keep that in the back of your mind if that is the case with Kenny Omega going forward. Chris Jericho was one hell of a man for helping Orange Cassidy get over in the Mimosa Mayhem match. Chris Jericho went from becoming AEW World Champion, the first ever AEW World Champion, and getting the belt over. Then getting Darby Allen over. Then getting Jungle Boy over. And getting all these guys over. Helping John Moxley get over. And him becoming the AEW World Champion. Which by the way, he still is, he still is owed a rematch. Don't get that. Don't don't forget that at all. He is still owed a rematch at some point. I don't think we're gonna get that now, but I'm just saying. He still has a rematch clause with that. And now he's helping the younger talent get over. Now, I picked Orange Cassidy to win because it made all the sense in the world to have Orange Cassidy get his comeuppance. But I do love the I do love seeing the fact that, you know, Jericho is helping the younger talent get over. That is really what we should be keeping an eye on going forward is that Jericho realizes that he's not going to be in this game forever. He's approaching he's, 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 he's on damn near 50. This is what his late late forties. He's not going to be doing this forever. The Rock thing he he can do forever until until the day he dies. As far as wrestling goes, he can't do this forever. He knows that. So why not on the way towards the way out help the young guys get over? Again, he did it with Darby, did it with Jungle Boy, and now their household names. Orange Cassidy was a household name before uh, before COVID. And Chris Jericho helped him even get more over by having Orange Cassidy defeat him on Saturday night. I think I saw, I think it was Raj Geary say, you know, he shouldn't be getting, you know, young guys over. And to that, to which I replied, fuck off. You're an idiot. Jericho gets it. You know, he's part, I don't know if he's an actual executive of the company, but he is a major player within the executive ranks of AEW. He, if he wanted to, he would have beaten Cassidy. But he understands that the younger talent, as much as he he does, need to get over and to become household names and be the future of professional wrestling. He knows how much, um, now at least, you know how much Orange Cassidy is over with the crowd and how much they are he's well received. Far be it from himself. To actually not want to get Cassidy over. That's a testament to him. A true testament to him. And I'm just I'm just happy of the fact that, you know, he is willing to be able to get Cassidy over and be able to understand and take that and take the fall. And, and realize what the situation is. 
and realize what's up. I'm quite proud of that. I'm quite happy with that. So I'm not surprised in the slightest that Jericho would be willing to do that. And Jericho would allow himself to take that bump into that vat of mimosa and allow Cassidy to get over. That should be commended. That should be appreciated. It should be appreciated. So, it is what it is. Kudos to Jericho. Congratulations to uh, Orange Cassidy for winning on Saturday night. And uh, we'll see what happens with both men going forward. We'll see what happens with both men going forward. Now, y'all know I was a big-ass advocate for Mr. MJF to become the next AEW World Champion. And we all know what happened on Saturday night. Lance Archer won the Battle Royale, Casino Battle Royale, thus becoming the number one contender for the AEW World Championship, which should have given you an idea of what should have... what. My, and my assumption was right. John Moxley retained the AEW World Championship. Now, there's only one person we can blame. His name is Wardlow. Idiot. Um, fuck Wardlow. Dumbass. But let's not be worried about MJF. And this is kind of my like my thought. After, the, after I slept on it, after I was pissed off that MJF lost, I slept on it. Woke up. I was like, you know what? Let's not be worried about MJF. Even Moxley said it himself. He is going to be champion after I'm gone. He will definitely be world champion after I'm gone. There's no doubt about that. No doubt about it 100%. So don't worry about MJF losing this match. I guess this is his first loss in 2020. Undefeated no more. He'll be world champion in due time, and we know that's inevitable. Just not right now. Of course, Moxley uses the referee to his advantage. Wardlow throws in the uh, Dynamite Diamond. MJF tries to pick it up. Tries to use it on Moxley, but Moxley catches him in the act. Now, in doing so, he uses the Paradigm Shift, which was supposed to be banned from said match. And used it against MJF. But since the referee never saw it happen, the move did what it needed to do. Now, some people would say it was a brain buster of sorts. Some people would say that it is kind of a fisherman's buster move and all that stuff. And MJF to the Twitter and saying... Oh, so we're not going to talk about how he cheated. Now, this will probably get him possibly another shot at the AEW World Championship. But now, Paradigm Shift is in play. If anybody, but if MJF needs to look to anyone for blame, it's Wardlow. Wardlow, now, he did what he had to do. 
He tried to get the referee distracted so MGF could use the Dynamite Diamond to punch uh, Moxley in the face. Moxley had the wherewithal to catch him. Hey, MGF got caught. That's the easiest way you can say it. MJF got caught. Wardlow, in that moment, didn't do his job and tried to have the referee look back to Moxley. Wardlow, as a valet, as a second, is his eyes. Wardlow did not do his job. That, that's, that's how it is. Wardlow, at that point, did not do his job. So, yeah, that's on that's on Wardlow. Wardlow's going to take this one. Now, it's on Wardlow. <coughs> I don't know how MJF will respond to it. But we can say what he want. Ref, hey, can't call, as they say, can't call what you don't see. Referee back was turned. Moxley hit, Moxley hit paradigm shift. One, two, three. MJF loses. Moxley retains. Now we know Moxley versus Archer in a rematch of what what they them facing each other for the IWGP United States Championship back at. Wrestle Kingdom back in January. And that match was absolutely insane. A Texas death match. Now I'm sure this will not be a Texas death match in any way, shape, or form. But it will be a fire matchup. MGF though didn't do what he set out to do. Couldn't keep him on the couldn't keep him on the inside that long. It was gonna be a way Moxie was gonna catch him on the outside. So we got to that point as well. But, hey, nonetheless, this was very, very well done. I love the match. This was a damn good match. And, you know, both men benefited in a sense. But Moxley gets the victory. Moxley still remains AEW World Champion. MJF going back to the drawing board. And hopefully he and Wardlow have to have a conversation. I don't know what will happen. I don't know what's next for MJF. We know what's next with Moxley with Archer. We don't know what's next with MJF, but again, I'm sure he will try to clamor for another championship matchup, given the fact that he used the paradigm shift. But AEW Brass can easily say the decision was final. Referee didn't see it happen. We'll see how that works out. But as far as I see it, MJF may not get that rematch. He lost. He got got played. He got outplayed by Moxley. So now let us get into the awards session of the program. This is where I talk about giving my top three matches of the night, worst match of the night, AEW All Out MVP, and of course, the most important one, the final grade for All Out. We'll give that a little bit of a tie of the bow and get it on out of here. Let us start off with the top three matches of the night. Number three. I'm going to go with it. I got a tie with three. And I think these were the four matches that I pretty much was just thumbs up on everything. And I'm going to give it to John Moxley and MJF and the Young Bucks and Jurassic Express. Both matches 
great. Great ways to, and I'm going to say open and close the show. Proper matches to open and close the show. I'm not counting uh, Swole and Baker at all in terms of an opener. They open and close the show with this properly. Honestly, take Swole and Baker out of the way, and that was your opening. That was a great way to open, great way to close. Grand opening, grand closing. Fantastic way to open and close both shows. Or should I say uh, the show itself? Fantastic. Good way to do it. Loved it. Loved both matches. And it was hard. It was very hard for me to keep both, at least one of these matches off the list. That's why I have it as a tie here at number three. Number two. Hikaru Shida and Thunder Rosa claim the number two spot. I think this this was undoubtedly the best match AEW's women's division had to offer. And I think this is now the standard bearer for what all of the women's division should look, should look at. Though That match and Nala Rose and Rio should definitely... Definitely be looked at as the two matches that is the template for what all big matches in the women's division for AEW should be. Without question. I think that that is easily what should be those two matches. Um, uh, Cheetah and Rosa definitely fit the bill, definitely did their damn thing. And I was very impressed by the fact that these two, never having a match with each other before, as far as I know at least, um, really, really doing a great job and, you know, really showcasing what they bring to the table. And I was I was very proud of it. I was very happy with the match itself. And I hope, hopefully, maybe we see more of Thunder Rosa in AEW. Hopefully, we'll see. That, that is the hope. Um, we'll see how it goes um, moving forward. But for Sheeta, she definitely proved herself for sure in terms of being able to. show. OK, yeah, this is what I bring to the table. This is what I got. This is what I'm doing here. Let's see what you got. I want to know what you're bringing to the table this time. Let's go. And I think it's pretty damn obvious what my match of the night is going to be. Number one, Hangman Page and Kenny Omega versus FTR. Match of the year candidate, absolutely, without question. This shouldn't even be it. This shouldn't even be. This should literally be number one on every single one's list if you're doing top threes. If you're doing a top five match of the night, anything like that. This was undoubtedly the best match of the night and really what everybody should be looking at as a proper match of the year candidate. This was just well done. I was just very happy with the result. They, they killed it from beginning to end. You had that big fight feel. You knew it felt good. It felt great. It, it just was just fantastic. And now we get to see the next chapter of Kenny Omega and Hangman Page. Pretty much... Kenny being done with a uh, hangman shit and possibly becoming the cleaner Kenny Omega. Hopefully, 
that could be the case. We'll see how that goes um, down the line here. The worst match of the night should be pretty fucking obvious, as this was a match that should have been on the buy-in pre-show. Britt Baker, Big Swole, congratulations. You have just received the award for worst match of the night. This was absolutely dreadful. This was terrible. And I know, again, I'm a big advocate for the women's division, but damn, this match sucked. This was, this. that's how you open the show? With that, you're going to put that on your biggest show of the year, your technical two-year anniversary. And that is how you open your two-year anniversary as a, as a company. Technically, that is not how you do it. That should have stayed on the uh, on the pre-show. We could have gotten that out of the way. I'm sure this was pre-taped, so that would have been much of an issue. But honestly, this this match sucked. This match didn't do it for me whatsoever. It was it was just painful. It was just uh, I was just like, what are they doing? Like, is is this really a match right now? This is really a match right now. It was it was it was just dreadful. I mean, I'm glad Big Swole got the victory. But my oh god, that was just painful. That was bad. Not not their best to open uh, Saturday night's show. But you know, as I always say, so one match had to be chosen, and it was pretty damn easy to choose. Now comes the AEW All Out MVP. Last couple of Good, the Bad, and the Ugly episodes that I've done, I've done co-MVPs. Two in a, I think the last two that I've done, if I'm not mistaken, I've had chosen co-MVPs for this. Because just, just a particular match, or just two uh, certain people in particular, um, I believe last uh, the last Good, the Bad, and the Ugly was a couple weeks ago where I gave, uh, gave Dominic Mysterio and Pat McAfee the co-MVPs for SummerSlam weekend, which I think was well-deserved. And the tradition is going to continue. So, ladies and gentlemen of the YLP universe, your AEW All-Out MVPs come from your match of the night. Hangman Page, Kenny Omega... Dax Harwood and Cash Wheeler. FDR. They had produced the match of the night. Fan, I, I mean, if you want to get totally venture part of it, fine, that's fine. But I'm going to only stick at the four. But these four men undoubtedly gave us a match of the year candidate. That can't be denied. We have a story now coming out of said title match with Omega and Page. Wanting a clean break from Page. He's done with him. Fuck him. That's it. He wants nothing to do with him. And he wants to ensure that the Bucks are with him, not against him. There's a lot going on with that. And that pays that will pay dividends down the line. If Omega Page is going to be happening in 2020 and it happens at full gear. And Omega, and Omega is the heel and not Page. Consider me impressed. Because I thought for certain Page was going to be the one to turn on Omega. 
But AEW never ceases to amaze us in terms of those types of things. But yeah, your MVPs. Page, Omega, Wheeler, and Harwood from your match of the night. Which leads me to the final grade. I gave it a lot of thought for this show. I really did. And... I was going to give it a higher grade than I thought I was going to. But like I said earlier in the show, I changed my grade throughout, depending on what I'm talking about. And there was a lot of negative that came out of it. Of course, the Matt Hardy spot, the Matt Seidel spot was bad. The Britt Baker Big Swole match definitely dropped it down a few letter grades. But there was some good that saved this show. Moxley, MJF, um, Page and Omega versus FTR, the Momos Mayhem match between uh, Cassidy and Jericho, uh, Lance Archer winning the Casino Battle Royale, uh, Sheeta and Rosa definitely saving the show. So when you look at it, when you balance it all out, when you crunch the numbers and you put it all together, and this might be my lowest grade that I've actually given an AEW pay-per-view as of late, if not period, since I've been covering AEW, I'm giving AEW All Out a C. Not Spanish C, the letter C. Now, you may be thinking, C, this is a good show. Don't get it twisted. You're right. This was a good show. But you have to factor in everything. You just can't say this is a good show. It was a good enough show to pass. It did what it did exactly what it needed to do. The top matches, the feature bouts did what they needed to do. They hit all their numbers. But you have to look at the negatives as well. You have to look at everything across the board in order to give yourself an actual accurate grade. And with the big soul bit breaker match being on the card, shouldn't have been there. Um, the Hardy spot, really bad. Really, really bad. Bad, bad, bad. Matt Seidel's shooting star press botch. Really, really bad. And I hope Matt Seidel is okay, too. Alright? Those are three, three, these are three really big things coming out of that. Some of the commentary, and I didn't even talk about that, some of the commentary could have been a bit better. Don't get me wrong. Some of the commentary could have been a bit, a bit better on Saturday. And that happens. You know, for the most part. But. I think a C definitely is right where I want it to be. It's right where they are. And and everything weighs heavily. Again. The later half of the show definitely saved it. The first half. Was where we was where they really had to play catch up. After that first half of the show. They had to play a lot of catch-up. But they they managed to get it back up. But I couldn't give it any better than a C. It is what it is. So it is is said. And it is done. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is going to conclude episode 250. The semi-quincentennial special. 
the good, the bad, and the ugly. That was AEW All Out for episode 250 of the YLP podcast. When we come back, we're going to close out the show in proper YLP fashion and get you ready for episode 251 of the YLP podcast. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Well, guys, that's going to be it for episode 250 of the YLP Podcast, the semi-quincentennial special. That was all out. I want to thank you guys so much for taking time out of your day, your night, your afternoon, wherever you may be, wherever you are. World. Thank you guys so much for tuning out this episode of the podcast. And as always, I greatly and truly appreciate it. If you have any thoughts, concerns, opinions, or what you thought about AEW All Out, if you have any thoughts to uh, say about my final grade or any of the matches you thought were matches of the night, anything related to AEW All Out at all, sound off. Let your voice be heard. Leave your boy a voice message over on anchor.fm slash young lions perspective as well as anchor.fm slash wrestle radio leave a comment over on ambiguous podcast solutions.com and if you decide to donate a couple shekels my way over on the APS do, please do not hesitate to do so <laughs> excuse me if you're going to be on the wrestle Attic radio side of things make sure you put YLP in the title so that I know you're prefer- referring to me personally and if I like what you bring into the table if I like what you're saying if I'm digging what you're and picking up what you're putting down. I'll have no problem featuring it on a future episode of the YLP Podcast. Of course, if you enjoyed this episode, do not hesitate to tell a friend, tell a friend about the YLP Podcast. Share this episode across all of your social media, the Instagrams, the Facebooks, the Twitters, the Alt Tech, the Gaps, the Paulas, as well as uh, your text messages. Slide into your friends' DMs. Make sure you slide into mine as well. And, uh, do not hesitate to go on the Facebook Messenger as well and share it back there as well. Because in these quarantine times, we here at WrestleX Radio want to be the warm grandma hug, the solace for uh, you the, during a work day, after a hard day's work, or any time in between with the YLB Podcast, the Kings of the Podcast, the Game Changer Podcast, and of course, the Delight Show with Mance Chapel. We, not only at WrestleLake Radio, are the cure for the common wrestling podcast, but we are 100% absolutely out and down. Then, now, and forever, the alternative professional wrestling podcast, and that we are here to stay. I know most of y'all do not have the anchor app. That's perfectly fine. I heard my feelings whatsoever in terms of that. Everyone has their favorite for their podcast streaming needs. But if you think for one second you're just all about ambiguous podcast solutions.com anchor.fm, my friend, you are sadly mistaken. Because you can find all of the Wrestle Addict Radio Squadron across several different platforms, including Apple Podcast, Google Podcasts, Podcast App, Player FM, Podbean. Castbox FM, Overcast, Radio Public, Stitcher Radio, and of course, that good old spot of five. Bam! 
Search for the YLB Podcast, the Kings of the Rings Podcast, the Game Changer Podcast, and of course the Delight Show with Man's Chapel across all these different platforms, and you should have no problem finding all of us whatsoever. If you want to stay up to date with everything that's going on with the YLB Podcast, I am very active on my social media. And if you want to head over to the Twitter sphere, you can find me over there at Swade Senator War. That's S U E D E S E N A T O R. Capital W, capital A, capital R. I do live tweeting for AEW Dynamite every Wednesday night. Smackdown Live every Friday, unless I have a prior obligations that I, that I do attend to. Otherwise, I will let you guys know prior to that night's show. Every WWE pay-per-view, every AEW live pay-per-view, every NXT and NXT UK TakeOver special, and given the fact that NJPW is back, and if I'm up at 3.30 in the morning on a Saturday, and I would go back to the bathroom, I can't find myself to go back to sleep anytime soon. I do live tweeting for NJPW as well. If you want to find me over on the Instagram side of things, the mothership and hub of everything that is the YLP podcast, I can be found over there at Young underscore Lions underscore Perspective Memes. In case you missed its updates on shows, breaking news if anything comes about that's important, Slide into my DM. Send me your best pro wrestling meme. If I like it enough, I'll have no problem featuring it on my page. Tag every member of the WrestleAddict Radio family in it to give you your 15 minutes of magnificent excellence. Trust me. Trust me. Send me your best memes. Send them my way. If I like it, you're going on the page. I'm just going to put that out there right now. I always do. Send them. If I like what, you, if I, like what I see, you're going on the page. And if you want to find me over on the Facebook side of things, lucky for you, all my Instagram posts immediately go to my Facebook account, linked linked together very way. It's a beautiful thing. You can find me over there at Young Lions Perspective, or you can search for Young Lions Perspective Podcast. Like the page. Share the page. Follow the page. We have over 100 followers on the page. I want to thank all of y'all for your continued support of the YLP Podcast. Thank you very much. So, so much for supporting the sport, supporting the team as a whole. Follow me on all these pro, uh, platforms to stay up to date with everything that's going on with the YLP podcast. And I'm going to look over at the judges to ensure I fulfill my obligations for today. Looking over at Hong Kong, I believe I'm getting the thumbs up. So, episode 251 of the podcast will take place, of course, manana. That being Tuesday, we'll be discussing... You know, the black and gold standard as always on a brand new episode of last week, this week, where I'm going to talk about last week's episode of NXT in regards to the Fatal 4-Way 60-Minute Iron Man match. Who came out of it? NXT champion. The six-man street fight between Legado del Fantasma against Rizango and Isaiah Swerve Scott and everything else in between. And of course, get you primed and ready. For what will be going down for NXT Super Tuesday, part number two. And it's shaping up to be a straight-up doozy. I can't wait to talk about it with you guys manana. Until then, guys, enjoy the rest of your Monday evening. If you're going to watch Raw, my condolences to your sanity as always. And I'll see you guys right back here tomorrow for episode 251 of the YLB Podcast. See you.
This has been a Wrestle Attic Radio branded podcast.